You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, here's your nine fingered host, Dan Johnson. Here we go. I don't know about you guys, but I feel like I gained 70 pounds <laughs> this, this weekend. I just remember feeling so uncomfortable and then seeing a pie that someone forgot to set on the counter. Um, they pulled it out of this little this box that they had and they set on the counter and it was like an apple crumb pie. And I felt like, I, for a second, I felt like the guys that say, well, if I don't shoot it, my neighbor will. And so in my head, I was like, well, if I don't eat it, somebody else will eat it. So I wanted to be the guy that ate it. So I had a piece of apple crumb pie. And then for about the next 24 hours, I laid on a couch and all I did was watch football. And that brings us to today, Sunday, uh, is when I'm editing and recording this podcast. I'm still full and I'm still force feeding myself like leftover desserts that get brought home, you know, diced up the leftovers get split up and sent home with people and I'm still one of those people and so we got a fridge full of leftovers I'm binge eating I'm trying to pack on as much weight I guess for the winter except it's just bad because I feel like a turd I need to start uh, getting in shape again if I'm gonna be heading out to Colorado this upcoming uh, fall I got uh, I got about 10 months to uh, worry about it but I need to start soon anyway Hopefully everybody had a great Thanksgiving. Hopefully everybody had to uh, spend some time, excuse me, with with their family and stuff their face. Maybe get outside and um, do a little hunting if the opportunity uh, was there. I know there are a lot of big bucks still falling all over the country with this late rut you know as they're kind of stepping away from the breeding activity maybe going out and searching for that last possible doe to uh, 
to come into heat or you know one that hasn't been bred yet and uh, slowly transitioning back to that bed to food bed to food you know uh, routine that these guys get in uh, that late season type of pattern and uh, man I tell you what it's it's still it's not as good as it was last week and every week you can say that from here on out but there's still a chance there's still a lot of guy. you know I see a lot of guys saying well my season's over is it to me in my opinion you got quite a few uh weeks days left I know gun season uh if it you know if you're a gun hunter there's some gun seasons left if you're not a gun hunter and you, you specifically hunt bow then I tell you what you still have some time left so don't ever give up get out there grind locate those big deer and uh go get them man it's it's pretty simple now today's podcast uh, is going to be awesome and (laughs) we did this one once before and due to some technical difficulties uh one side or the other didn't record and it was just one person talking to themselves and it really sucked because I thought that that was going to be my best interview I've ever done, literally. But we got back at it a couple months later, and today we are going to be talking with husband and wife Jen and Rob Palanik. And basically, man, we're going to talk about how Jen and Rob met and how he got her into hunting and how that... uh, that relationship has grown from a hunting standpoint and how she's become more involved. And it's kind of a journey through her introduction to hunting and where she is today and how Rob kind of guided her and at the same time let her learn on her own. So it's just a great podcast full of, uh, it's an awesome story. And it's one of those things where a lot of guys out there, they want to hunt as much as possible, and they don't think that involving their wife is an option, and I think this, you might be able to take a lot from this podcast because I really do think that uh, in certain scenarios, and this is something I could definitely learn from it uh, as well, it might be a better option if you want to hunt to take the wife with you. So uh, just uh, definitely an option. Now, before we get into today's podcast, uh, I do want to send a quick shout out to Exodus Trail Cameras, guys. I'm telling you what, their trail cameras are freaking awesome. Um, I have had absolutely no problems with any of them uh, from the Lift 1 to now the Lift 2 that they have available. So please go to exodusoutdoorgear.com and enter the discount code nine fingers that's the number nine followed by the word fingers and you will save twenty dollars off of your purchase now i even think they have some black friday sales that are still going on throughout this week maybe you might want to check on that Um, but if not use the discount code nine fingers that's the number nine followed by the word fingers and you will save twenty dollars off of your purchase that's a that's a good chunk of change so guys Let's enough enough of the crap. Let's get into today's. I guess we'll call it a hunter profile podcast with Jen and Rob Blanick. All right, everybody. Today I am joined by Jen and Bob Polanik. How are you guys doing today? Good. We're good. Good deal. Good deal. Now, before we started recording, well, before before that, even we've already done this podcast. <laughs> And due to technical difficulties, I went to I went to go launch it, 
it was just me talking and then long pauses. So there was, and I, I was, I was just pissed off because it was literally one of, I feel the best podcasts that I've ever done. And I got a little mad. I got a little upset and we tried to reschedule it. And I'm just like, okay, well in order for it to sound fresh, we got to put it off a while. So yep. we've put it off a while. Uh, hunting season is, you know, as far as archery is concerned, somewhat over. Um, there's a lot of hunting season left, but uh, now we're going to, we're going to try this again. And uh, before we got on the phone, Bob, you mentioned that you and Jen just got back from like a five day Nebraska hunt. Yeah, it was, uh, it was eight days actually. And we got mm-hmm. back on Saturday night of, uh, I guess two weekends ago. Yes. Yeah, so okay. Go. Yeah. So, sure. uh, what were you guys out there doing? What were you hunting for? Whitetail. Whitetail. What part of the state? Um, southeast, basically, just north of uh, Omaha. It's okay. right, on, yeah, right on the Iowa Nebraska border. It's literally on the Missouri River. Oh, cool! Oh. I tell you what. Last week, I just got done interviewing a guy who hunted in that area, but across the river in Iowa. Gotcha. Were you guys hunting on public ground? Uh, no, I uh, I did some work out there uh, back in 2010, and um, when I was out there in 2010, it was hunting season, so I gained access to uh, one of the guys I was working with, and I've just stayed in touch with him ever since. And past two years, we've gone out there, and he just it's uh he just lets us hunt out there. Was this uh, archery or was this uh, rifle? Archery. Okay, cool, cool. And did you guys have any success? Uh, yeah. So the first six days I solely filmed, uh, Jen and then, um, and we have plenty of deer in bow range, but she was trying to shoot a nice buck, like a three and a half year old or better. Right. Right. And, um, on the last day we decided, uh, to split up and I had the, uh, I had the uh, good fortune of shooting a buck at uh, about 20 yards at like eight in the morning it was probably one of the better hunts of my entire life so cool cool yeah walked away with uh, a nice uh, eight point and a ton of meat because yeah bucks out there are just huge like body wise yeah. body wise they're just so much bigger than northern michigan deer so, so Jen, did you get a crack at anything i did not oh, not any shooter bucks um like you said the the last day that we were hunting was actually the only day that a shooter came into range or we had a shot at him and it was right, where right. Bob was sitting. So I didn't have any does or any other bucks come into range that day. So empty no. tag no. for me. That happens. That happens. Yeah. Well, yeah. today that's what we we're going to, we're going to talk about is hunting with your spouse. Um, and it's something that, I don't think I'm, I mean, my wife and I turkey hunt, right? But she's not at this time really shown interest in doing anything other than that. Um, She mentioned shotgun hunting uh, with me, but she's like, I only want to shoot a big buck and I don't want to freeze my butt off. (laughs) And I'm just like, well, that's going to be hard to do, (laughs) especially in Iowa during shotgun season. But anyway... I kind of want to start back at the very beginning and uh, Bob, I got a question for you. And that question is how old were you when you met Jen? 
I was 21. Okay, 21. So when you were 21, what kind of hunter were you? Were you, the at that time, the balls to the wall, I'm hunting as much as I can all the time type of hunter? No, I was only, I'd only been hunting for probably three years, and I was just shooting does and year and a half old bucks. Right, right. Okay. okay. So, Jen... At yeah. that time, were you even into hunting? That's an assumption I'm making. I was not. You were not. Okay. So when you guys first met, um, well, before I get into that, Bob, when did you start uh, getting really serious and deep into hunting? Uh, about five years ago. Five years ago. Okay. So that's uh, 2012? Yeah. Okay. So you guys met in, when you were 21. And mm-hmm. what what year was that roughly? Oh eight. Oh eight. Okay. Oh eight. So there's those there's four years, Bob, where you were hunting, but you weren't like the hardcore guy, right? No. Right. Exactly. Okay. So when Jen, when you guys first started hanging out, and then maybe hunting season came around, um, what was you know back then in two thousand four? What did what did he do? I mean, did he did he involve you at that point at all? Not a single bit. <laughs> Not a single bit. Okay. So 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 Bob, that was a time for you to just get away and either go with your buddies or or go by yourself. Yeah, that was a lot of a lot of hunting with the boys and having fun and yeah. Okay. All right. So then as time as time progressed, Jen, when did you start getting involved? Um, yeah, about why well, this was my fourth season of hunting this year. So a, a little over four years ago, Bob got me a bow actually, but well, we had talked about it, you know, since the previous hunting season and all winter. And, um, I started watching hunting videos with him and I started getting interested. So he bought me my first bow for my birthday, which was in May of that year. And then I, um, my first hunting season was that fall. Okay. So John, was this something that you expressed interest to him or was it the opposite? Bob was like, Hey, why don't you go hunting with me sometime? Um, I think I was, I think I was interested in at least like learning more about it. Um, even if it was just like archery practice, not even if it was necessarily hunting. Um, I grew up, my dad was, a very avid hunter my whole life, but had never really included me and, um, no females in my family hunted. It was really, um, male dominated activity for me. So even just the idea of going hunting was, um, was really new. So So at that point was your dad more of like a traditional family where the women stayed at home and the men went out hunting. Did you ever talk with your dad about, Hey dad, why don't you take me sometime? Um, we were a very traditional family in that way. And no, I really didn't ask him. I mean, I was in my mid twenties by that point and, um, I'd been out, I, you know, I, I'd been living across the state. So it, it was really Bob. He was the one that, um, I was talking to about doing any kind of hunting or archery activities. Okay. Now, Bob, when Jen says to you, Hey, you know, I kind of maybe would think about going hunting with you. A lot of guys at that point would go, dear God, no, like 
oh man, this just got way, you know, like things got weird, right? A lot of guys would assume that. Did, what was your initial reaction when she said, hey, you know, Bob, I'd like to go hunting with you sometime? Um, initial reaction, I was, I think I was for it. I'd been traveling for work and so I was always away from her. And so when I would, I'd be gone for, you know, a solid nine months out of the year and I'd come, I'd be able to visit home one week, uh, every like five or six weeks. And when that, you know, hunting season rolled around, I'd come home and all I wanted to do was, was hunt, but she wanted to spend time together. So I was like, all right, this is, this should be a win-win because we can go hunting together where we will be in different tree stands, but we're doing it an activity together. Um, so we'll be spending time together, but I'll actually be able to hunt it. So it was a win-win for me. Um, it's kind of a no-brainer. So Okay. Okay. So Jen, then at, at what point and what kind of involvement was that? Maybe let's say that that first year or that first season for you um, was Bob, did Bob do a good job at like educating you on how to hunt, what to do, you know, the proper way to set up your bow, draw all that kind of stuff. Um, I think in terms of like the equipment and making sure I had everything I needed and encouraging me to practice and the two of us practicing together out in the yard a lot. Absolutely. Um, when, hunting season rolled around we were living in different cities and so I actually did almost all of the hunting that first season by myself we weren't even like on the same property we were sometimes different cities different states and so a lot of that was him trying to uh, guide me from afar (laughs) via phone (laughs) conversations I'm sure you can imagine how well that would go but um i mean he definitely he tried he put a lot of effort in yeah so you guys weren't even living in the same area no how far away um well he traveled and i was still in school and so i was actually traveling a little bit for school so sometimes it was like two hours but other times it was several states away yeah all right so then that first that first year uh you're trying to, you know, Bob, you're trying to educate her on where to set up on, uh, and what to do over the phone. What kind of frustrations did you (laughs) go through Jen? And maybe Bob, you had some frustrations too, communicating with her without being there. I mean, I'm sure that's, I've explained to people on where to try to find a tree stand Mm -hmm. um, on a new property. And that can be frustrating at times, but this is like a brand new hunter your this is your first year ever going out and hunting i mean did you set up the tree stands yourself did you do all that work yourself it was actually a combination um so i was hunting on my cousin's property that he he owns about 100 acres up here and um so i was hunting on his property and bob had actually never even been there and so he did have a few tree stands set up on the property himself and then i actually put up one I only did one myself but um being brand new to hunting it was it was kind of interesting just trying to trying to piece things out and figure out where I should be sitting but yeah okay, Bob now you got were you guys married at this time yet oh no okay mm-hmm. all right so you got this girl that you're dating and she's like uh 
I think I'm going to start hunting and she starts hunting without you over. <laughs> what, what are you thinking at this time? Like, Hey man, this chick's hardcore or she's trying too hard to impress me or like what's going through your head at this point? Um, well, I was trying to tell her where to hunt via Google maps and, uh, <laughs> on a property I had never even been to before. And, uh, so that didn't, that didn't go over too well because where I'm telling her to hunt, she's just like, there's no, you can't hunt there. Like there's no, it's all hilly and whatnot. So she's like, it's just a thick ridge top or just like a thick draw. There's no trees for tree stands. And I'm like, well, you just got to get in this area or get on this ridge and it's a good pinch point. Um, so I was trying to help her that way. And that led to, uh, us butting heads a little bit, but, um, no, I, I was impressed with how much, effort she put towards it but at the same time um she was hunting every day or every other Mm -hmm. day and she just wasn't seeing a lot of deer and i was trying to tell her you know you're those deer are going to pattern you and you probably need to get out of the woods and let it let it be but she's uh she's very goal oriented so she kept at it and um (laughs) well i don't think you didn't shoot no i did not not shoot a deer that year but uh yeah, it's. Uh, I was trying to tell her to back off a little bit, and I think she was like, you're not here, you don't know, so <laughs> I'm just going to keep on hunting away. And I was like, well, guess I'm not going to be able to hunt that property because it's going to be toast by the time I get home. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Jen, that first year, sounds like you were, in, you know, you basically, you didn't even test the waters. You just cannonballed right into bow hunting. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. What was going through your head that first season with with the frustrations of not seeing anything or not being at the right place at the right time? Um, well, I still I think like with a lot of things in life, I was thinking, you know, if you work harder, you'll have success. And it, I wasn't really in the mindset of like hunt smarter, not harder. So every time he was telling me to back off or, you know, don't sit that stand again. I was just, I would just be like, well, no, I just have to try a little bit harder, or, you know, figure out what I'm doing wrong and I'll be successful. Um, but it was super frustrating. I was expecting to see, you know, like 10 deer sit and I would go seven sits without seeing a deer. And I was just like, you know, you, you wonder if you're doing something wrong, if, if you're in the wrong place, you just haven't you know, it, is everyone else really this unsuccessful and they just don't talk about it? You just, it's a lot of self-doubt. Right. So then so at then what I- point, I mean, man, you're going out, you're, you're brand new. And like a lot of people, if they're, they're doing something brand new and they don't find success or it it's becomes very difficult, they can lose that enthusiasm or they lose that passion or whatever it is towards whatever it is they're doing because they're not they're not finding success or they're I mean it sounds like to me like you you maybe not were even getting close on some of these hunts um I did I missed a doe that year at like 25 oh, okay. so I, I mean I did I I think I had a couple of deer within range but we have a antler point restriction up here and so I would I had like two little four point bucks that weren't legal um but yeah and so then yeah missing a deer on top of that just further tears down your confidence of doing the right thing. So, yeah. So when you would call, you know, this is a question for, for Bob, when she would call you after some of these hunts and you could probably, 
I'm sense I'm I'm getting the sense that you could hear some of this frustration uh, in her voice. What were you telling her? You know, I I know you already mentioned a little bit of it, but what were you telling her over these phone calls to calm her down or to you know say, hey, it's going to be okay. This is bow hunting. Well, exactly that. I was trying to tell her. Um, that, I mean, we all go many. We've all had many hunts where we haven't seen a single deer. Um, a, a lot of people go a whole season without having a deer in bow range, especially here in northern Michigan. Um, I was like, the odds are stacked against you, and I was just you know trying to tell you like you know be patient. Um, if it's gonna happen, it will happen. I mean, it's you know just let it let it play out. Um, but uh, probably I probably offered too much advice as far as like oh you should hunt here, you should hunt there, and not ever be into the property. Um, I think that probably frustrated her the most. I remember that year I finally got home um, around Thanksgiving. And we got up to that property in December, and I immediately was, you know, I had stands on my back, and I was ready to go throw a bunch of tree stands up, and all the places that I had been telling her to check out and hunt, and I'm getting to these ridges and these areas, and I'm like, well, she was not lying. There is no place you can put a tree stand, <laughs> and, and I was just leading her all wrong the whole time. So, so yeah, it was, it was a learning curve for both of us. Yeah. So that so was that one, 2012. Um, 2014. Yeah, it was the year before we got married. Oh, okay, so two, that was yeah. your first year. Was 2014. Okay, yeah. all right. So that year, it, uh, what were you doing, uh, Bob? Were you hunting a different farm or hunting where you were living at the time? Yeah, I was. Uh, I was working in Syracuse, New York, and I had uh, picked up a 500 acre lease out there, and um, had been. I was hunting that. Okay. Sorry, I, was, I picked up a 100-acre lease. Yeah. Gotcha. So then you guys, 2014, that season ends up going bye-bye, right? Um, Jen, you weren't successful. Yep. What happened that following season? Were you guys back together, or was that another year apart? No, we got married that next year, and um, we actually moved. We're from southern Michigan. We moved up to northern Michigan after we got married, and um, Bob stopped traveling for work, and I graduated school. So kind of completely changed paces in life. Gotcha. And we hunted, we hunted together a lot that year. Okay. Okay. So, so 2015 comes, you're hunting together. What was that like? And what were some of the lessons learned? You know, obviously it's not just giving advice over the phone or talking about frustrations over the phone. You guys have to learn how to hunt with another person, whether that's on the same property or in the same tree. And I know from firsthand experience that can be frustrating. What was that like for you guys? Um, I'll just say that if you're going to hunt with your significant other, as the first year that you're hunting together and you're both in the same tree, if you're the guy, if you're the experienced hunter, just shut up. Just don't, <laughs> just don't talk. So they, it's um, when someone, when you have an adult getting into bow hunting, um, you want to, when you're teaching them, you want to make sure they don't make all the same mistakes you make. But the only way, a lot of the, like, the only way they learn, not the only way, but the best way to learn is to make those mistakes. Right. It's just hard to see. It's just hard to watch your wife make those mistakes 
at the age of what 27 whatever we were um and you're just you know you're trying to shorten that learning curve for them so you're getting frustrated because they're making some mistakes and it's like well if you look back like this is those are just the growing pains of being a bow hunter um you just gotta let you gotta let whoever you're getting into hunting make those make those mistakes so they learn Jen, Jen, what were some of those specific mistakes that you were making that Bob was getting frustrated with? Um, I think I was still over hunting even that second season and um, not always paying as close of attention to even just like wind direction, just basic stuff. Um, you know, like sitting sitting in a stand that would not have been as ideal as a different stand for the wind that day. Um Really, I mean, just still very amateur mistakes at that point. Right. right. Now, at this point, were you guys, like, doing your own thing on a, a single piece of property? And what I mean by that is making your own stand selections, uh, hanging your own stands. I mean, what were you guys doing as a team, and then what were you guys doing as individuals? Well, I personally <laughs> wasn't doing anything, really, as an individual. Um I mean, I started helping him hang stands and um, run trail cameras, but for the most part, it was still him making most of the decisions and me just kind of helping out when I could. Um, and we had we had my cousin's property as well as a different piece of property up here, so um, we had two different properties we were working with, um, and then putting food plots in and. Um, just kind of like the labor type of stuff. But I think as far as logistics and decision-making, that was still just a lot of Bob making those and trying to explain as he went why he was doing those. Okay. What about, what about you, Bob? What what was What's your take on that same question? Oh, dude, just hung so many tree stands. <laughs> just yeah, the, being, a, being a bow hunter fanatic, you need – I mean, obviously, like, you need a, a stand for a south wind, a north wind, a east wind, a west wind, and every other wind in between. Well, now I needed two so for each of those winds on each property. So I was buying tree stands like crazy. Of course, getting a little flack from the wife. You're married and buying a house and stuff like that. So you can kind of try You're on a budget, and I'm just buying tree stands left and right and steps left and right to, you know, put half a dozen tree stands on each, you know, 50 to 100 acre property um so yeah all summer long it was just hanging tree stands and you know just sweating my butt off working my butt off doing that mm -hmm. um and then yeah i think the other thing i was kind of hounding jen about you know making sure she shot her bow enough and stuff like that um which but, i did and, and we shot our bows to you know uh, and we still to this day we shoot our bows together all the time so yeah. but uh That'd be the biggest like thing that I, had, I did individually was just all the tree stand work, and then as a team, yeah, food plots, shooting our bows together, checking cameras. Checking cameras is a lot of fun with someone. I mean, yeah, you yeah. just share yeah. it. You both can go nuts over the pictures, and yeah, that's one that's thing that I've kind of educated my wife on is we go out and check trail cameras together sometime, and over the I don't even know is she. She'd probably hate me for not knowing how many years we've been married. I think, four, I think four, four, or five now. Which I should know that. But um, you know, 
I've educated her on, hey, this is a big buck, you know, from an antler standpoint or what to look for, uh, for, you know, characteristics of a mature deer in the body. And so we'll flip through the pictures and she'll be like, oh, that one looks mature. Is that a three-year-old? And I remember one day she nailed it. Uh, she nailed a buck. She's like, oh, that buck looks like he's 150, maybe a three-year-old. I'm like, holy shit. That is awesome. <laughs> that is cool. Yeah. I I think that's what really like got me excited about hunting that second year was when we started running a lot of trail cameras together. And, you know, we'd go pull four cards and we live at least half an hour from where we hunt. So just that half an hour drive to get home, I was we were both just excited to see what we what we had so that definitely fueled the fire so did you check your trail cameras in the car or at a computer at home back then we were still doing a computer at home we have since bought other things so you can get some instant gratification but yeah (laughs) so who checks the trail who checks the pictures and who drives ah well that's he's usually driving so okay check them yeah I, that almost sounds like it could be a fight. It sometimes can be, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or if someone, like, heaven forbid, someone pull a, a card when the other one's not home and they mm-hmm. check that camera without you. Like, that's, ooh. That's typically me. Yeah. <laughs> I do that all the time. I will get upset. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm here laughing because I'm just imagining. I'm imagining this like, so what would you do tonight? Um, nothing. <laughs> so you just kind of sat at home no i went and checked a card you did what it's almost like worse than you'd rather find out your husband's cheating on you right. than finding out that he checked a trail camera card without without you. me there's, there's times i'd leave like the uh couple sd cards out on the coffee table and she'd come home and see them and she's like you went and checked cameras without me again didn't you <laughs> like, like no what oh man the sd cards are out should have hit them yep so Jen, tell me about 2015, how that season went, um, some of the things that you ended up learning, uh, and and Bob, maybe elaborate after she's done talking about how that 2015 season went and what it was like doing a a, a year of hunting with your significant other. Um. Well, I think. I still was learning just a lot of the basics, like how, how deer move, when they move, what kind of temperature and environment stuff they prefer. Um, I mean, I still feel like I'm learning a lot of that, but certainly that second year I think was, was a lot of learning of just those basics. Um, I think we still, we split up a lot of our hunts. I would say we probably did 50% of them where we were both hunting the same property at the same time. Um, and 50%, I was completely on my own still. Um, but, and we, we did a few sits that year together where he was with me and that was actually really cool. Just being able to, you know, talk about what I was seeing or if we saw a nice deer, like being able to talk about it, sitting next to each other was, was pretty cool. So I think that, that second year was really where I started to feel like I was hunting with my husband, not like I was trying to pick up hunting on my own with him just putting some input in from afar. So then what did you like more at that point? Did you like sitting in a tree with him sitting in a property, maybe a hundred yards away from him or being at a, a completely different piece of, of property? 
well, I, I think that year was still kind of slow in terms of how many deer I was seeing. So I probably did prefer still sitting with him just because I would get bored sometimes if, you know, I was going two hours without seeing a deer. Um, right. So I, th- I think that was, it was fun to just have him there. But. Now, Bob, as a guy who's, you know, been hunting for a while, um, I don't know. There's times I, I like to share a tree stand with someone, but then there's times when it's time to get to business and you, you, you take it really, you're still having fun, but you take it really serious. What was it like? I mean, did you guys have any times where Bob, maybe you were a little selfish and you were just like, I'm going here. You do whatever you want. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Probably couple times a week. <laughs> yeah. So did that piss you off, Jen? Um, I don't think so. I mean, I, I had seen him hunting on his own for so long that it, I think I was really realistic. I knew that I couldn't just expect him to drop everything and, and cater to me. So, no, I, I think I, I understood that. Right. Now, Bob, did you ever feel guilty maybe going hunting and doing your own thing, knowing that she would have loved to come with you, but maybe she stayed at home or she was in a a stand that was maybe, I don't want to say second rate, but not the first choice. Yeah. So we actually had, uh, I got a couple hundred acre property that I hunt. Um, that is not mine. It's a, it's a buddy of mine is, is his families and we do food plots and whatnot. And, um, Jen had helped out in the spring on food plots and stuff like that. And, you know, I wasn't going to ask if she could hunt there, but I was just hoping there'd be an invite where, like, early season, hey, your wife helped put food plots in if she wants to come uh, shoot a doe off one of those food plots or something. That's fine by us. But it actually was reversed. Like, yeah, no, we don't really want any women at deer camp and this and that. So I was kind of like, all right, well, now i got to pick between my buddies and my wife. Um, and you know, at at that point probably made some unwise decisions and picked the buddies over the wife. Um, but, uh, she was understanding of it when I just, it just was tough, tough pill for her to swallow. It, it, It just, it was a bad situation all around. Just like, you know, feeling bad that she, she spent a whole weekend putting in food plots in the spring. And then we kind of were just banking on that. They were going to let us, you know, offer her to hunt there just in the evenings and whatnot, but it just didn't work out. So yeah, I had to, uh, definitely had to have some times where I said, Hey, uh, I normally every year I hunt with my friends like that first week of November. And that's, you know, I think I just kind of said, that's what I'm going to do again this year. Um, you know, in 2015, but, uh, then there was all the, also times where my buddies wanted to hunt and I would say, you know, no, I'm just going to hunt with Jen this weekend. Mm-hmm. So it went both ways, but it, uh, it was definitely definitely something new to uh, figure out how to handle. Yeah. Right. right. So, so the question, Bob, is what was it – I mean, what was her reasoning behind not wanting Jen to hunt on that on that property? I mean, was there playboys at deer camp that they thought no. might offend her, or what was the reason? No, I think literally my buddy said deer camp is one of those places I go – to get away from my wife and he's like, I think my brother does the same thing. And he's like, so he's like, we're just going to kind of keep it as that. And 
it's kind of I, I just didn't I didn't press it I just said okay I, I understand um and I just left it at that right so now, now, did you understand what he was trying to get at? And not to sound sexist or anything, but did I mean, did you understand that this was maybe a time away from his wife and his family, or did you disagree with him altogether? Oh no, I <clears throat> I understood. Okay, I understood because not everyone has a wife that wants to be part of it. Right, yeah. absolutely. So yeah, I I totally get that. Now, Jen, when you when when Bob you know, kind of came home or, you know, broke the ice to you. And it's like, Hey man, I'm, I'm going hunting with my buddies. You're going to have to figure something else out or, or do something else. Were you upset with that decision? Yeah, I was, I was, I definitely felt unwelcome. I mean, mm-hmm. these are, these are Bob's friends, but I've known them for almost as long as I've known him. So that was a very different feeling to feel like I was not welcome um, doing an activity with the boys when I have fished with them our whole relationship and it's always just been me and the guys and it's never been an issue. So um, I think it really took me by surprise that even though I put in work and effort, you know, just because I was the girl, I couldn't come. So Now, now did you understand the direction he was coming from, though, about – you know, hey man, I I come here to get away from my wife. Did did you resonate with that at all, or was that just like a big, you know what, f you? Um, no, I really didn't get it. <laughs> to be honest, yeah. I mean, I can I can sort of see it now, but I still kind of don't. I I feel like, you know, there's not really a time in in my life, or I don't think for Bob anymore that one of us would be like, man, we just got to get away from the other person for a week. Um, I just don't feel that way. And and I feel very lucky that we enjoy doing this kind of activity together. So no, it was, it was a little tough. I mean, I'm over it now, but. (laughs) (laughs) So are you still having to make a decision like that every year, Bob, or did you make a hard line in the sand somewhere and say either to Jen, you know, this is how it's going to be, or I'm not going to deer camp anymore. Oh, it's a balancing act, man. Um, so, like, this year is a perfect example. So, like I said, normally that first week in November, um, I take the whole week off, or usually both weeks, um, and I usually go bow hunting with my guy friends. Um, this year, Jen and I went to Nebraska, um, and so there was a weekend back in October that wasn't ideal for me to go hunt with my buddies but i said you know what this is the only weekend i'm going to be able to hunt with those guys so i need you to be cool with it because the week of the rut we're going to nebraska together so that's going to be pretty cool and just be patient until we get to that week and she was Mm -hmm. so awesome so 2015 kind of um was there any success i mean did Jen, did you harvest a buck? Bob, yeah. did you harvest a buck? Oh, I didn't. I, I shot a doe um, with a rifle, actually. I didn't have any success with my bow. Um, but I did shoot my first deer, and it was with the gun. And Bob shot. Was that the year you shot? Yeah. He shot a really nice 10 point, 9 point. Okay. So, okay. And, and um, I wasn't hunting with him, but I was 
hunting a different stand on that property when he shot it and I actually watched it all happen from my tree stand and I I had never seen any I've never seen a deer be shot before he did it with his bow and um I I thought it was awesome so that was really cool to get to see him do that that year right right now you were able to harvest your first deer with a, a gun yeah what was that experience like for you you know, your this is this was a first for you. Oh yeah, this was a first. Um, I had never shot anything but a squirrel before that. Um, it was I, I was like elated. I was like a child. I was so excited. Um, you know, it was it was only from like sixty yards, so it wasn't like it was super far away. It was close enough that um, it it was just like an overwhelming experience. I was I was pumped. So yeah, awesome. Yeah. Now. Yeah. I took my wife turkey hunting one time and she, the first, the first, I think two years were just horrible weather conditions. I mean, I, we were sitting in the woods, not in a blind in the rain. And I just looked back at her one time and she looks at me like, I'm about ready to leave this guy. And I don't mean just like go back to the car. I mean, like I'm packing up my shit and I'm leaving him and this cause this was before we had kids. So now we got a couple anchors, but the, uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> I've never heard that before, yeah. That's good. but, but then that third year she came out and she, you know, we hunted, I think two mornings. And then that second morning or third morning, she shot a, a turkey and just smoked it. And I was probably just as jacked, uh, to for her to kill that turkey than she was now now bob what was your reaction to her killing her first deer oh i loved it it was awesome i was filming her and uh, so i got the whole thing on film and uh yeah it was uh it was pretty crazy so it was a a doe that came out and i think i was whispering to her wait let's see if there's a buck that shows up behind it and as i'm whispering it the guns on the on the dead. boom! Like, all right, all right, we're not waiting, I guess. <laughs> she had a perfect shot on it, so that was uh, good. But... Yeah, I wasn't waiting. Yep. <laughs> like I know what to do. Leave me alone. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So 2015 sounds like you guys, you know, both, uh, um, you know, you started hunting together. You, you both found success. Um, at the end of that season, was there, I mean, what was there a dynamic at that point? Uh, Like a specific dynamic, you know, like a routine. I mean, was the, was the hunting gears greased as far as who does what, how we do it, that kind of stuff, or was it still new and kind of, you know, learning curves and learning experiences? I think by the end of that season, we were starting to get more of a groove and, um, You know, he was learning to not say quite so many tips about every single thing he thought I was doing wrong. I was learning to, you know, not like be offended by every time he told me I was doing something wrong. I think we were really starting to learn how to do it together at that point. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Now, Now, same question for you, Bob. I mean, was, did, did you ever get to the point where, or, or have these thoughts, maybe not ever say anything about it. And I don't mean to put you on the spot here, but ever have these, 
these thoughts where it's, oh, I'm glad she hunts with me, but I don't want it to ever get too serious? Um, no, no, just because there were so many times where I was able to hunt, um, you know, by myself or, you know, she had to work or something like that. So I could, you know, really during the rut dive in for four or five days on my own and really hunt hard. Um, so no, I, I was never too worried about her getting too serious about it. Um, I'm, I'm surprised that she did get as hardcore about it as she did, but I'm happy about it. At what point, or was there a point where it was, it, for you, Jen, where it was maybe less about, man, I don't even know how to ask this without it sounding like I'm a prick, but less about impressing him and more about the passion of it all? Um, I, I don't feel like I really was ever necessarily trying to impress him. Um, I certainly would not say that I had like a passion though, probably until last year, which was my, my third hunting season. Um, but it was more of just like, just being really determined, you know, I I think this is something I would enjoy. This is something he likes to do. It's a good thing for us to spend time doing together. Um, and just really like wanting to be successful at it. So, okay. Okay. So 2015 goes, are you guys doing any other outdoor related activities other than hunting? Like, are you guys going fishing, camping, trapping, stuff like that? We do a lot of fishing and camping year round here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm a big uh, river fisherman, so I have a drift boat and whatnot. And I'm always taking her out on my boat with buddies and flowing down the river. And so, yeah. We're... I like to ice fish. Yep. So, yeah. We spend a lot of time out outdoors. Now, now, Jen, yeah. are you the only girl on these trips? Oh, 90, 99% of the time, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so yeah. you're used to, I mean, I had, growing up, I had some, like, buddies who, they they started dating a girl in eighth grade, and they were married basically that summer out of college, right? So okay. they, like, they right. were with, she was with us. Yeah. And when you say one of the boys, I mean, like, Anytime there was a, I'll just put it to you this way. Whenever there was a locker room talk, she oh. was, she was around. Right. <laughs> yeah. I think for, at least for some of the guys, that's the case. They don't, they don't care at all. Was there, so is there any reservations? I mean, are they just like, well, I, I really can't be myself around you or is it, are you old news now? You're just like, Hey, it, you are literally a bud. Yeah. I mean, I think, at this point, they pretty much just expect that unless I'm working or have other plans, I'll be there. Gotcha. Yeah. So 2015 ends. What did you guys plan for uh, 2016, right? This is going to be, you know, Jen, this is going to be your third hunting season. Um, yep. how, how had your goals changed um, through – you know, through those first three seasons, you know, going into your third season in uh, 2016, how had your goals changed and what kind of goals were you setting for that upcoming season? Well, that season, I really wanted to be successful with my bow. Like, you know, I'd started out mostly bow hunting and the rifle was just because it happened to be in season. Um, but last year I really was, certain that I wanted to be successful with my bow and that that was all I was going to use until 
I shot a deer. Um, and then I also think last year was the first season where I finally started hunting smarter and learning patience um, big time. Like I, I stopped over hunting and, you know, I was looking at the weather and if, if something changed that day, I would just cancel my hunting plans if it wasn't, if it wasn't a smart hunt. Um, so I think that was really where I first started making like those smart decisions on my own and then making that specific goal that I want to be successful with a bow. Nice. nice. Now, Bob, were you able that year to now, you know, knowing what she said her goals were, were you able to see her improve as a hunter? And were you having to give her less advice throughout that season? Oh, absolutely. From, I mean, from before the season even started, the amount of commitment she showed to practicing with her bow, um, that all the way into the season. And, and yeah, uh, just her uh, attention attention to detail really improved. So she went from just being a ride along partner to being a, you know, you would put her in the category of now she's a hunter, right? I mean, was she able to identify, I mean, you know, of course with maybe a little help from you um, identify scrapes and rubs and maybe get into some of these more detailed concepts like how terrain affects wind and, and stuff like that. Oh yeah, absolutely. She, uh, I, well, the, the whole terrain and wind thing, I think this year we were, this summer we were laying at the beach and she says, I'm just listening to Dan Johnson right now. Talk about, <laughs> talk about terrain and the wind. And I was like, yep, no, you'll, he'll, he'll talk about that from time to time. <laughs> yeah. Let's do a podcast. <laughs> yeah. So were you at this point comfortable with her making decisions and confident that they were maybe the right decision. And then Jen, I want you to answer after he answers, did you start to feel comfortable making those decisions? Um, so yeah, I'll go first. Um, yeah, there was a lot of times that she, I felt she was making good decisions. Um, you know, there's always those, I think sometimes when we get into the rut, um, I'm, I'm always kind of a, well, you can push a certain stand a little bit more than you normally would just because you don't know exactly where they're going to come from. Um, so those are, those are kind of the, that was the only time I really maybe, um, you know, it offer more advice than any other time during the season. But yeah, I think she was making all her own calls pretty good. Yeah. I feel like I started having a lot more confidence in my own decisions and, um, you know, it helps when you are consistently having sits where a deer doesn't wind you and you have them coming into bow range and you're choosing not to shoot them, kind of having these, like you're rewarded for making these good decisions. And I was, I was seeing that and able to recognize it. So yeah, for sure. Now I got a a bunch of questions that have spurred off here from, from what you guys have just said. Now, Jen, two questions. What was the biggest, you know, maybe even include 2016 and 2017 this year. What, what has been the biggest thing that you have learned on your own and what has been the most important thing that Bob has taught you? Um, 
Hmm. Well, I think the thing I have learned most on my own, which actually I think is even probably more this year than any other, um, especially our week out in Nebraska during the rut where there's just more deer to observe, is seeing how deer and especially mature bucks interact with other deer um it was a like my mind was blown just being able to observe what deer were doing in when they didn't weren't pressured by humans and um when the rut was going on so i think just figuring out some of their natural activities was was awesome um which i've done mostly on my own um for what he's shown me i mean he's taught me a lot about different i guess terrain or different kind of settings that you want to hunt for different parts of the season whether it's a field edge or in the timber over a run or over a food plot um i've learned a lot and i think again a lot of that has been this year that um he's talked a lot about it and you know i think he's also learned to kind of spin it not oh, I'm going to teach you about this, but rather, guess what I learned about today on a podcast? (laughs) (laughs) I think I'm much more receptive to that when I don't feel like he's just trying to teach me, which is my fault, but... (laughs) Yeah. Now, the education curve kind of goes both ways, right? Um, you You can learn from yourself, you can learn from him. Now, Bob, what have you learned from her? Even though maybe on a... Um, an education level, she may not know as much as you, but there's, there's gotta be something that you can take away from hunting with her. Oh yeah. She's, uh, well, she calls me the loudest bow hunter in Michigan, <laughs> which I probably am at times. Yeah. Um, so yeah, she's, she's definitely taught me that, um, I need to just be quieter. So, but then I just tell her that a size 13 boot is always going to be louder than like a size seven. So, yeah, yeah. It's, it's funny. I'm loud when I walk through the woods because I'm, I guess I'm a little bigger, but yeah. I always have to turn around when we're turkey hunting. I'm like, did I just lose my wife? Cause she's just like this little mouse who prances yeah. through yeah, the timber. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> now, so 2000 and, uh, 15 is gone. How, how was your 2016 season guys? It was awesome for me. I shot a two and a half year old eight point, um, the day before two days before gun opener here. So just in time, um, at 14 yards and it was probably one of the most exhilarating experiences ever. I was, I was so excited. I was, texting him and and crying and it was it was amazing it was it was so different I mean your first you won't ever forget your first deer but to have a deer that close and uh, to kill it with your bow is a whole different experience so that was pretty awesome walk me through that experience um well as a perfect example of me making my own decisions, oh geez. <laughs> I told Bob what tree stand I wanted to sit in that day, and he strongly discouraged me. He he thought the property had been a little overhunted and um, was trying to tell me to go up to the other property, which is over an hour away. And I, I felt really strongly that the stand I wanted to sit in was perfect. It was perfect for the wind, for the weather that day. Um, and I hadn't sat there in a while. And so I, I stuck to my guns and I said, no, I'm going to sit there that day. Um, and so I went out there and he was actually working. 
Um, and I got out there extremely early. I think I also like to get out to the stand a little bit earlier than Bob in the afternoon. So I was out there at like two or two thirty. Um, and that deer steps out just after three and was probably 10 yards away, but it was straight through the branches. And, you know, it, it took less than 10 seconds for him to kind of circle behind me back to in, into one of my shooting lanes. But, um, it felt like an instant and forever at the same time. Um, I didn't get a great shot on him. I think I was shaking so hard, but he only ran about a hundred yards and I immediately was just like, had to sit down, had to put my bow down. I was afraid I was going to fall out of the tree, drop my bow. I could barely text him to tell him that I just shot a, a buck. Um, so it was, it was really exciting. And, you know, I think I maybe lasted an hour, hour and a half in the stand. I was every 15 minutes I was texting him. Can I get down yet? Can we track it yet? I was, I was so excited. I couldn't wait. So, um, yeah, that was, that was pretty cool to, to experience that. And, uh, for you, Bob, Bob. What, what was it when she, when she sent you that text, man, Hey, I'm, uh, I just, I just shot a deer with my bow and it's dead. Oh, well, we didn't know it was dead. She said, I started asking where she shot it and, or like where she hit it. And so she started sending pictures with like a little dot on it, like edited. And <laughs> I was drawing on my phone. <laughs> yeah. So, and I, she, so she hit a little far back and I was just like, all right, well, and I saw, so I'm starting to get worried that, all right, we have a, we have a, a buck that shot, but this might be a doozy of a track job. Might have to back out and might be liver, you know, but, um, right. It, uh, so that was my initial thought. And then once she got down and we went and looked, um, I was pretty confident it was a it was a dead deer that we could go recover quite quickly. And yeah, we walked, walked up on it, and, and uh, boom, you're now a, you're now a bow hunter officially. Yeah. Oh yeah. That was that made it all very real. So. That's awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, so now what? I'm now. It sounds like to me you guys are expanding. You're you're heading out to Nebraska together. You're going on some. You're going on. Um, some little, maybe more demanding hunts, hunts that take more planning. Um, is this something that you guys, like a trend that you guys are c- going to continue and maybe expand into other species? Or is there, is there a kind of a line right now that you're not, you're not going to cross? I'd say both just to yeah. get it out there. But uh, no, um, I think that we'll continue to expand. I think there's been talk of, her going elk hunting. Um, I'm an elk hunter myself. Um, but there's also, yeah, there's, I have an idea of like taking like the first three weeks of November off next year and hunting Iowa and Nebraska. And I don't know how she plays into it yet. Just trying to figure that out. But, uh, yeah. One thing I, I do try to remind Bob is that, you know, I've been hunting for, a fraction of the amount of time that he has. And, um, I don't want to, I don't want to skip any of the steps in the, I mean, not to sound like tacky or anything, but to, uh, I don't want to like skip any of the steps in my evolution as a hunter. I still want to take each step that everyone else has to take, um, to, to get better. And so, you know, he, he has shot 
a lot bigger bucks than me. He shot an elk with his bow last year, and um, I don't want to just immediately jump to that that level. I want I want to keep taking the small steps, and um, I, I feel like sometimes I have to remind him that my hunting goals are not the same as where his hunting goals are at right now. So right, right. I'll tell you, I'll what, tell you what. That's something that makes a good point. Not necessarily for women or children but new hunters in general mm-hmm. is you have to take baby steps. I see I see all the time maybe let's say people with really good farms and they they put this kid on a giant buck and they mm-hmm. their one of their first deer they ever shoot is maybe like this 150 160 class deer or whatever and now what? Right. What do they have to stair step to or are they going to be held to that standard for the rest of their life? And as we know, statistics don't let you shoot deer like that every year. Right. So is this something that, I mean, are you at a point now where you're going to start taking any type of, uh, you know, passing any deer? Or are you still in the, hey, I still need to kill more deer? Oh, um, I definitely have started passing on deer. um I've passed on smaller eight points this year that I would have taken a thousand shots at last year. Um, and you know, Bob's already shot three deer this year and we don't really need a lot more meat just for the two of us. So I'm not going to just go shoot a doe just to shoot a doe. So I feel like I I'm definitely having some, some sort of standards about whether or not I should be shooting a deer. And so, and now, Bob, for you, you have this, you know, you're, you're on a different level as, as, you know, as far as goals are concerned. Do you ever feel, I don't want to say holding back because that's not the right word, but do you ever feel that you are not taking certain risks or going for that goal because she is on a different level than you? Uh, yeah, not, <clears throat> but it's not, there's nothing, you know, intentional. It's just like, uh, when, when we're hunting together or like with this Nebraska trip, um, we sat together every single day and I was filming her. Um, and normally you go on a, a rut vacation with someone and you guys are hunting separately and you're, you know, setting up um mobile stands left and right and you're just kind of all over the place and it's just a little bit as far as like uh the i guess the holding back idea it's just tougher to do that when you're always trying to put up um a stand or two stands and you know what i mean for for the both of us to hunt out of um so those are that was the only limitation really and then just you know obviously filming her i wasn't i wasn't hunting so but Jen, are you independent? Are you an independent hunter right now? Uh, or do you still rely on Bob? And what I mean by that is, I mean, are you able to set up a running gun tree stand? Are you able to, you know, trim shooting lanes and, and do all that stuff? I don't want to sound like, hey, you know, men versus women type thing. Mm-hmm. But from a physical standpoint, are you able to do all those things? I have not independently set up a tree stand all on my own before. I have I have put them up, but um, Bob's got 
you know, a foot and almost 100 pounds on me. So it's just a lot easier for him physically. Um, But really, that's about the only thing. I have done all the shooting lane trimming, and I I, I think I could put in a food plot all by myself if I wanted to. Um, I think... It, you know, we don't do any sort of ground blind hunting or anything, but that would that be very simple for me. So I think we we actually just talked about this when we were out in Nebraska that I should really just try to put a tree stand up by myself start to finish because that's really the last thing that I have not done myself. And it, is, is that a goal? I mean, to become completely independent? I mean... Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I think, I think that's... I mean... I think that would be everyone's goal eventually that, yes, I would want, you know, if he was, if he wasn't around or if he was going to be gone for a while, or if I was traveling somewhere and I I wanted to hunt by myself, yes, the the goal would absolutely be for me to be completely self-sufficient. Gotcha. Yeah. And it sounds like you're very capable of doing that. Um, I think it's awesome that, uh, you know, you guys can make it work, especially when, you're both on different levels as far as in your hunting career, right? Yeah. You got someone yep. who's a little bit more experienced and, and I'm not talking even from a marriage standpoint. I'm talking as, you know, looking at it from a hunting buddies standpoint, right? I have right. friends that, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of an independent go by myself a lot guy, but there's times where I'll go with other people that are on mm-hmm. different levels. We go do our own thing, but it, you know, as long as you can reconnect at the end of the, end of the day, I think that's what's really important. Um, now, the the question is, you know, you guys are, are young, and I think I gave you some advice about kids before <laughs> before yeah. we started recording <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to not straight up not have them. But is, is, and I know this may be jumping to conclusions or, you know, you might, you may hear it enough from your parents, but it, are, are kids in the future and do you see you know, this, this path turning from two people in a tree stand to three or more people in a tree stand? Um, we actually don't think we want to have kids. Okay. So, um, I'm, we, we don't say no, we don't say absolutely not, but we, we talk about it very often and have for a very long time and just not something we necessarily see in our futures. But that being said, if, if we, if one of us ever changed our minds in the future or felt differently, we would be open to having that discussion. And right. I think if we ever did end up having kids, I think, um, well, first of all, Bob's got some of the teaching kinks out with me, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I think he'd be really good at, at teaching a kid how to hunt. And I, I mean, I've, I've watched him teach other little kids how to do stuff just in, a, in the short term. Um, so I think that'd be really cool to watch him be able to do that with a kid of his own if he ever had one, but um, not sure that that's in our future. Right, right. Didn't mean yeah, to put I mean, you on the spot, but okay. I had to ask. <laughs> yeah. no, that's fine. We yeah. get it. I tell you what, if you ever want a practice kid, I will, <laughs> I will give you one yeah. for like a week. <laughs> yeah. Well, I tell you what, guys, I really appreciate you uh, taking time to do this again. Um, thank you very much, uh, and I, I hope the rest of your guys' season goes uh, really well. Thank you for having us. Yeah. 
And there you have it. Huge shout out to the Palanics for taking time out of their day to do the podcast again. Uh, thank you guys for putting up with a little bit of that feedback that we had to deal with, a little bit of that white noise. I apologize for that. Always trying to uh, improve the quality on my end. Huge shout out to all of the partners of this podcast. Wasp, Ozonics, Deer Lab, Exodus, Lone Wolf, Gearhead and Ripcord and Bighorn Outfitters. Thank you very much for your support. Please go out and contact those companies. Support those products because they support me. Go to iTunes, leave a review. Make sure you follow me on social media, Nine Finger Chronicles on Instagram, Nine Finger Chronicles on Facebook. Also, be sure you are going to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network Facebook page and Instagram page. Follow that as well. Um, and then it's the same iTunes path. So please go there and let's see what are we going to do there. We're going to leave a review. Um, mark five stars or whatever you want. Other than that, guys, you know, like I said, there is still a lot of time in the season left. I'm going to try to get some um, some strategy guys on uh, to talk about this late season, early, you know, this late season hunting, maybe some post rut. Um, I know a lot of guys talk about this quote unquote second rut that happens on a smaller scale. Um, you know, maybe get some guys in to talk about that. Pay attention for that. Other than that, guys, like I said, still time to hunt. Don't get careless and be a dipshit. I think there's been over 10 instances in the United States alone this year uh, of people falling out of their tree stands and dying. Um, and that's dying. That doesn't count the guys who have fallen out of their tree stands and have become paralyzed or you know, broken major bones. So please, if you're going to be in a tree, wear your damn safety harness. Have a good week.